All right. Well, good morning. Welcome to Journey Church. If it's your first time, whoop, I like that. I like a little whoop, whoop right there. But uh, I've met a couple of families. I know it's your first day, so that's cool. So glad you're here. If you're joining us online, man, we're glad that you have uh, made time to be with us today. And so uh, we are about to kick off a new series called Making Change here that we'll be kind of looking at. But we just kind of wrapped up a, a couple of uh, cool things, I thought, with uh, the comeback. I love the comeback, the whole story of that. And, uh, and so then we had Mother's Day. Mother's Day is always a big deal. So we got to celebrate our moms. That was always cool. But we're talking about making change. And so a lot of what we're going to be talking about in this series is about how to make change that will last, you know, for an eternity but also how to manage well and steward well what God has entrusted us with here in this world. And so it's kind of a financial focus, if you will. And it's really from Dave Ramsey. If you get, Anybody here know who Dave Ramsey is or heard of Dave Ramsey? He does an incredible job. And, uh, and so we're, I'm kind of using a lot of his material with this because, number one, it works and it's biblical. It's lined up with Scripture. And so we're going to kind of unpack this. So here's some, some things we're going to look at over the next few weeks. There are four things that we will unpack and we'll cover over the next four weeks. So you can kind of go ahead and write these down and you can kind of hey, plan on being here for all of them because they're all important. But there are four things that we're going to unpack. Number one, less is more. So that's what we'll unpack today. Less is more. I know it doesn't sound like that's probably accurate, but it is. And so we're going to unpack that today and, and see what, what does God's Word have to say about that. And then here's another one. I think most of us would agree with this. Stress is bad. Would you agree with that? Stress is bad. Stress is not good. Stress will kill you. Man, it makes life miserable. Stress is bad. So we don't like stress, so we want to talk about, hey, how do we eliminate stress in our life? And here's another one. Giving is good. Would you agree with that? I didn't get as big amen on that. What's that about? Yeah, because you don't want to give nothing up, do you? That's what it is. You, hey, you want it for you, and we're going to talk about that, but giving is good. It's actually godly. It's a good thing. And then here's the next one. Tomorrow matters. Do you agree with that? Tomorrow does matter. You know, it's, it's the legacy we leave behind. It's the difference that we have made and the impact, the influence that hopefully we have leveraged in our lifetime to make a difference in the lives of people, right? And so we leave things behind. We hand things off. Hopefully we will finish well. We'll finish strong. And so less is more is what we're going to unpack today. And so as we look at this today, I want you to kind of think about what does that mean? Less is more. Less is more is, you know, having less of something can be a good thing. But that's not the American dream, it doesn't sound like. The American dream is, hey, we need to have more. We need to have more toys. We need to have bigger toys. We need to have bigger toys than our neighbor has. You know what I'm saying? And so it becomes all about stuff and more and accumulation of all these things. And that can lead to stress, as we'll see. But the thing is, is we, we, we literally have that mentality. So why would we think that more is always better? Because we've been programmed to believe that more is better. 24-7, we have, we have literally commercials on TV, on the radios. And I understand, hey, that's how people make their living, by selling commercials and stuff. But, and selling stuff. But the thing is, is we have been inundated with that, and we have that mentality that, you know, hey, I need that. You don't really need it. You may want it, but you don't need it. And so, I don't know about you, but I, I'm kind of old school. I'm kind of old anyway. But I grew up where the TV would cut off at a certain time, like maybe 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock, it would go off. It would be, they would have the uh, national anthem and it would go snowy until the next morning. And that was actually a good thing because people would actually sleep. But nowadays, like I said, you know, and I can remember when cable first came in and cable, you had channels all night long, 24 seven. And so you're inundated all hours of the day and night 
of stuff, you know, of things that you need, you know. And if it wasn't, you know, a commercial showing it, it was a video on MTV or showing, hey, listen, if you've really arrived, this is what you have. And so we kind of get, we get programmed thinking, hey, that's when you've arrived. When you've got money and when you got stuff, you have arrived, you have succeeded, you're doing well. That's where we kind of get this into our mind. We begin to believe that, right? So we've been programmed to believe that. And, and, and so I, I believe, like I said, that was part of the downfall of our culture, our societies, whenever cable came in and all of a sudden you just constantly get bombarded by this mentality. And, and we have people around us that tell us, hey, man, you have to have stuff. And, and we, we become accustomed to that. We have to have more and more and more. And, and we know that the more stuff that you have, the more you have to what? Take care of. Let me, let me just say this. Laurie and I, we have, we sold our house. And, uh, you know, our son has, uh, our last son has graduated. That was Christian earlier that went across here. And so Christian's graduated. And so we've sold our house and we were planning on building and we were going to try to actually downsize a little bit. But let me tell you what's embarrassing is we, as we have gone through our stuff and our attic, how much junk we have accumulated over 17 years. I mean, I don't know if y'all, y'all's house is like that, but man, we have given away stuff. We have thrown away stuff and I'm talking about tons of it. And we have, we have literally sold some stuff to kind of pay some things off where we don't have to worry about that. And, and it's just like, man, it blows your mind how much you accumulate. It's embarrassing. You know what I'm saying? And so we have worked through all of that. And we're still in the process. And so we have been programmed to believe that more is better. So if that's true, then we got, we got better at our house because there's so much stuff there. It's ridiculous. But we're, 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 we're weeding through that. Look at what this passage says here. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Now that's truth. Tranquility. I mean, just think about that word. That's a pretty word, isn't it? Tranquility. Man, kind of easy, laid back enjoying, peaceful, whatever. So better one handful with tranquility. In other words, to be satisfied, to be content, than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. And so what we do is we, we think, well, you know, I've got to have all this stuff because that's what, that's what the commercials say and that's what the you know, shows promote and that's what everybody kind of tells me is that yeah, all this stuff will make me happy, and we fall for that lie. We buy into it, right? And and so the American dream becomes what every American is supposed to do, and it's this chasing after, hey, I'm going to have my own house with a white picket fence and two cars and two and a half kids, whatever that looks like, and, and then also you got to have a big retirement, and then one day I'll be able to have a lake house, and I'll be able to stay on the lake and just watch somebody else cut my grass, whatever. We We set these goals, but that may not be the goals that God has for us. That's what the American dream says, and that's what we have bought into. We've been programmed to believe, but it says better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. So here's the question. We need to define what really matters. So let's, let's, how do we define what really matters? So we have to do that. What matters in the grand scheme of things? What matters whenever we get to the end of our life? What is going to be most important? And, and so here, here's the question. That we need to hit. So if you had a limited time to live, and do we? Yes, we do. We have a limited time to live. Now, you might say, well, if I knew I had 30 days to live, what would I do different? What would, how would that list change? What would become the priority? What would become what's important? What would become what really matters in the grand scheme of things? And so, so if you had a limited time to live, and we all do, what would you put on that list? Maybe you want to jot something down. 
You know, maybe you say, you know, what would really matter at the end? Would it be family? Would it be friends? Would it be relationships? Because life, here's the thing, life has a tendency to trash our trophies. You know, I told you, Laurie and I were packing everything up. And let me just say this, she's been packing for like six weeks or longer. And Laurie, you know, she's systematic, she's sorting through things. And, and, and so I have been packing for like whenever she would tell me to. Does that make sense? So she's packing all the time, constantly walking in there like, what are you doing? I'm like, I was watching this ball game. And she was like, we've got a lot to do in a little bit of time, you know, and all this. So, so she's been packing and, well, you know, letting me know you better get after it. And so we've been kind of going through there. And so we have kind of got, you know, things out. We'll kind of put it together. So we got our boys played a lot of sports. So there's a lot of trophies and life will have, has a tendency to trash our trophies. And so we literally have got all these trophies for like this son here and then this son here and then this son here. And we'll say, Hey, listen, y'all need to go through. And sort out these trophies and figure out which ones you want to keep. Because we're not keeping everything. If you want to take them with you, you can do that. But we're not keeping all of them. And so, so anyway, so we've kind of been doing that with them. And Laurie said, hey, listen, what do you want to do with these trophies of yours? It's like, we're keeping those. You know, and she was like, what? And I was like, hey, you know, we're, we're going to keep those. They can take theirs, but we're keeping it. So we have a tendency to want to hang on to what we think is important. So we got to ask, hey, what is important? Is it stuff? Is it going to be the house that you have? Is it going to be the, the land that you've bought? Is it going to be, you know, your, your car? Is it going to be your clothes, your shoes, your collection? Is that really what's going to be most important when you get to the end of your life? Is it really going to be stuff? Do you really think it will be? Because you know what? Nobody takes anything with them. Now, you sure they would always say, hey, you know what? You, you know, you can't take it with you. I've never seen a hearse pulling a, a U-Haul. Well, I have, will tell you, I have seen a picture of that. You know, and so somebody did try to take it with them. Now, the thing is, they may have thought it was going with them, but it didn't. You know, and so we can't take this stuff with us. So why is it so important that we do that? And so Dr. James Dobson's the one that made that statement. He says, life will ev- eventually trash your trophies. And I don't know if you know who Dr. James Dobson is, but he's the one that founded uh, the uh, the ministry focused on the family. And his whole his whole goal in his ministry was to try to help people get focused on what really matters most. And so for him, it was to make sure that the family is healthy, that the family is walking with God, that it's living according to God's principles and stuff. So that was his goal. And so he grew up in Texas and he played tennis. He played a lot of tennis. And anyway, so he got kind of made fun of that. But anyway, he ended up going off to college to Pasadena, California. And anyway, so while he was there at this college that he's attending, he saw this huge trophy in this, this, uh, this showroom or whatever. And he said, hey, listen, you know what? He said, I want my name. On that trophy. It was the college campus championship, tennis championship. And he wanted his name to be on there. And so he's kind of set that as a goal. So when he went to college there, he played tennis and he played, you know, to, to win. But he didn't win his freshman year or his sophomore year. But he won his junior year. He, he said he felt like he'd arrived. Like, you know, I'd set that as a goal. It was one of my goals in life. I arrived at it. I won. I was so proud. He said it was just a major moment. And he said, and then the next year, he said, I defended my championship. As a senior, I won it again. So a few years go by, like 20, 25 years, and a friend calls up and says, Hey, Dr. Dobson, I've got your trophy from the championship uh, from the college. And he goes, Where did you find it? He goes, Well, I found it in a dumpster. And uh, he said, It's kind of beat up and banged up. And he's like, In the dumpster, my, my trophy that I worked so hard to accomplish is in the dumpster. And he said, uh, The guy said, Do you want it? He goes, Yeah, I want it. And uh, he said, God spoke to him. He said, You know, eventually... Life will trash your trophies. There's always somebody faster. There's always somebody stronger, somebody smarter, somebody better. 
He said, and here's the thing, a lot of that stuff that you thought mattered will be thrown into a dumpster one day. And I'm just telling you, with Laurie and I going through everything that we've been throwing away that we thought was so important, we got stuff, we had stuff in our attic that we hadn't seen in 17 years, I guess. And we were like, why are we holding on to this? Why? And so we're, we're getting rid of it. There's things we're giving away. There's things that we're selling. And so we're trying to do everything we can to kind of bring everything down to a, to a, to a, a reasonable place. You know what I'm saying? And so life will eventually trash your trophies. Look at this passage here. It says, our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. You might say, well, that's not very encouraging. What it is is that's the truth. Our life is but a, a vapor is what Scripture says. You know, our, our kids grow up quick. I mean, like I said, my youngest one just graduated. And I can remember whenever they were little, I can remember holding them for the first time. Being awed that, that God had created them and put them together. You know, and they, and they grow up quickly. I, I joke about it all the time, but when I was a kid, it seemed like Christmas took forever to come around. And it seems like, man, you do one thing, you turn around like, dude, it's Christmas time again? I mean, what's going on? And the older you get, I guess the quicker it goes, I don't know. But our life is but a vapor. So here's the question. What will we do with the time that we've been given and the resources that we've been blessed with? Will we use them to leverage them to make a difference in the lives of people? Will we use them to focus on those things that really matter the most? Will we, will we leverage it in that way? And so our life is but a vapor. Here's a statement uh, that Dr. Dobson asked a student or a question that Dr. Dobson asked a student. He says, you know what will matter most at the end of your life? He was speaking at Liberty University, and a student had walked up, and they were in conversation. So he asked him, he said, you, ma- you know what will matter at the end of your life? What will matter most? And the student was kind of like, you know, I don't know. They're, I'm here to learn from you. You're the doctor. And so this is what he said. He said, what will matter most is who you loved, who loved you, and what you did in the service of the Lord. There's nothing else that will stand the test of time. Did you love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Did you love your parents? Did you love your family? You know, who loved you? Who did you have relationships with that, that loved you, that cared for you, that encouraged you, that motivated you, that pushed you, challenged you? Yeah, and then what did you do for the kingdom? What did you do to make a difference in the lives of people? Because, see, we, we believe here at Journey Church that people will spend an eternity in one of two places, a place called heaven or a place called hell. And we believe that everything that we do should be leveraged to reach as many people as we can with the gospel, the good news. That God wants a relationship with them, that he loves them. And he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross that they might have life and have it everlasting. That they might have eternal life. And so, so there's nothing that will stand the test of time like these things here. So let me ask you whenever we asked earlier, hey, what is it that would be on those top two or three things? Did any of that pop up on your list or even in your mind? Or were you thinking about, well, who's going to get my stuff? Who's going to get all of my stuff? And so we have to be willing to say, God, help me to get my priorities in order. So why do we spend so much time, so much of our lives, pursuing those things that don't really matter? Why do we do that? Why do we chase after this stuff that's going to rust, it's going to rot, it's going to be out of, out of style? You know, I mean, we, we've just got to be willing to say, God, you know, why do I do that? Why do I chase after all this stuff all the time? Why do I work so hard every week? I put in so many hours trying to get enough money to buy stuff you know it's one thing to get provision it's one thing to you know to provide a meal for your family or provide uh rest or whatever but here's the reason because the culture around us says stuff is important we already talked about it you know commercials are always telling us that you know um athletes 
You know, celebrities are always talking about that it's about stuff. They, they live their lives in such a way that, hey, listen, when you've arrived when you got this. You know, we got athletes that just got drafted in the NFL. Everybody wants to know, hey, what are you going to spend your money on? What stuff are you going to get? And whenever they talk about practice instead of stuff, we're like, what's wrong with them? They're millionaires now. Why are they not focused on that? And so the culture says that stuff is important. Hey, you've arrived if you've got this. Whenever you people pull up and they see your big house and they see all your land and they see all the, the landscaping, they go, man, this person has arrived. And for a lot of us, we are trying to impress someone. You know, we're, we're wanting our dad to be you know, proud of us or our mom to be proud of us or somebody to go, hey, they have accomplished something in life. And so we're living for the, the applause, if you will, of people when we should be living for the applause of God and more focused on the kingdom. And so part of the problems that we have is the culture around us is focused on stuff. And so we have a tendency to do what everybody else is doing. And we want to fit in. We want to blend in. We want to be a part of that. But the Bible says that we should be living differently. Here's another one. Because the culture around us says stuff makes you happy. Culture says, hey, if you have this, man, you're going to be happy. If you, if you get this car, man, it's going to be amazing. If you get this house, man, everybody's going to know that you have arrived. And so we think that getting this stuff is going to make us happy because that's what the culture says. But yet we can look at so many families And so many lives that have been impacted through the years that had everything. I mean, we see one of the richest people in the world right now is going through a divorce. Obviously, money didn't make them happy. You know what I'm saying? And so they're going through a divorce. And some of the richest people in the world are steadily going through divorces. They're looking for happiness in some way. We see people that have everything who take their own lives. Why in the world? If they got all this stuff, why are they not happy? Because happiness and joy are two different things. We can have joy in the midst of the worst circumstances. In the worst persecution, we can have joy. But happiness is fleeting, man. It's kind of coming and going. And so we have a tendency to think that, well, if I get all this stuff, it'll make me happy. Have you ever had buyer's regret where you, you buy something and you think this is going to make me feel good? It's going to make me feel better. It's going to kind of you know, get that scratch that itch or whatever. And then all of a sudden you buy it and you're like, man, why in the world did I spend all that money on that? I don't even like this. Now, I've told this story before. Laura and I bought a car one time. I had a little Nissan, 92 Nissan pickup that was almost paid off, had a really small monthly note on it. And then Lori had a Honda that was, that she drove, a little Honda Civic that it was paid off. So that was nice. That's a, a good place to be, by the way. And so anyway, so Lori, I'm wanting you to get Lori a car. I think I just want to do something for her. And so we ended up going and buying this Mazda 626 that we didn't have at any time. We were like, man, I, I don't like this car. Why don't we buy this car? Why do we have this big old note now? And so immediately I'm thinking, hey, we need to sell this car. Like, Laura's like, we can't sell that car. I was like, yeah, we can. We're going to sell it. So we sold that car, got enough out of it to be able to pay it off, and then we got something cheaper. We got something used. And I drove that vehicle for like eight years. And so there's times that we'll have buyer's regret. And we're like, why would we do that? Are we trying to impress somebody? Are we trying to scratch an itch or what? And so we have to be careful that we're not trying to make, find something that will make us happy. And here's another, because that is what has been modeled for us. Maybe you grew up in a home where your dad's always working to try to get stuff. Maybe your mom was always trying to, working to get stuff. You know, and I even told my son this morning, we were riding to a church together this morning. And I said, you know, I said, hopefully today, and I was thinking about some of these graduating seniors. If you guys would take these principles that we're talking about today and apply them to your life at their age, man, their life would be so much better than ours was. And I told my son, I said, you know, I don't think we've done a good job. Me and your mom have done a good job of modeling that less is more. 
You know, there's too many times that we, you know, we would buy into the mentality, you know, and we would think, hey, we need that. We don't need that. You know, and, and so we've got to be willing to model for our kids what's right. That it's about the kingdom. And it's about relationships, right? It's about a relationship with God, relationship with people. It's about the kingdom of God. It's what Jesus said it was about. But we buy into this American dream. You know, I was, I was telling Laurie, I said, I said, just think, I said, if we had not bought all, a lot of the stuff that we're throwing away and a lot of the stuff that we don't really need, I said, what about if we'd have done, if we'd have taken all that money that you, you know, spent on that stuff and we put that into an account and that money made money and we were able to use that money to bless people and to give to people. And, and I, you know, and I was, I was talking about what she bought, not what I bought. I'm just saying, I just want y'all to be clear on that. And so, so anyway, she was like, well, that would have been a lot of money. And I was like, yeah. And so we were kind of joking back and forth. And she goes, what if we did what you spent money on? So anyway, it's one of those things hard to give up. But my question is, did Lori and I model well for our kids that less is more? And so let me ask you, mom and dad, did you model well that less is more for your kids? Or are you always trying to appease them, give them everything that they want, trying to keep them caught up with their friends and with their, you know, their neighbors? You know, or are you willing to say, hey, listen, I'll give you what you need and I'm going to give you everything you need to be successful but I'm not giving you every want. Now, there are times that we want to bless our kids. I mean, I'm a loving dad, you know, and my loving father always blesses me. And so I look for ways to bless my kids. But sometimes what we do is we hinder them. And so moms and dads, we need to take ownership of that. Maybe, maybe we have modeled the wrong thing. And then here's the other one, because we battle the flesh. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I like stuff. Just being straight up. There are times I go, man, I, I like that. I wouldn't mind having that. And then I have to go... All right, is that a flesh thing or is that a spirit thing? 99% of the time, whenever it comes to stuff, it is a flesh thing. That is not really what God is saying. Mike, you need to get that. Mike, you need to go buy that. Mike, you need to finance that. That's not from God usually. That's usually the flesh. That's me. That's me wanting what I want when I want it. You know what I'm saying? The battle of the flesh. And so there's a battle that rages between the two of us. You know, I've got this spirit that is saying, hey, listen, invest in the things of God. Give. Give, give. And then I have this flesh that says, hey, listen, gather the things that you can and enjoy them all that you can and make it about you. You deserve this. Da, 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 da. That's our mentality. So we're always battling between this flesh and spirit. And let me tell you, the one that will win is the one that you feed. And like I said, if you sit around watching TV all the time, you're always on your phone and you're looking in, in, into the phone and you're, and you're always feeding the flesh, then that's the one that's going to be the strongest, right? But if you're spending time in God's Word, you're saying, God, what does your Word say about stuff and things and possessions? God, what does your Word say about how I'm to live in such a way that I become a witness to the people around me, especially to my family, and that I model for my children what it means to walk by faith and to live by faith? And so here's the thing. If I feed the Spirit, the Spirit is stronger. But if I feed the flesh, the flesh is stronger. And so the problem that we battle is that the flesh is stronger because we are always inundated with commercials. We're always on Facebook or whatever. We're always looking for a deal. And we're always wanting more and more stuff. That eventually we'll either throw away, give away, or leave behind. But that seems to be what we're motivated and focused on. So here's, here's a couple things that we all need to do. We all need to learn to, number one is do this. We need to cut back. We don't have to have two handfuls of everything. One is enough, right? One with tranquility. We don't always have to kind of constantly be looking for more. I need more of this. I need more shoes. I need more ammo. I need more whatever. We just need to say, you know what? A little bit less is okay. 
And so we need to cut back. And look at this. I like this. Less stuff and more friends. What if we were to give, get, you know, get rid of some of the stuff in our life? What if we were to cut back and our focus was no longer on stuff, but we focused on relationships and friends? I know there's some of you in the room thinking, maybe you're watching online, you're going, you know what, Mike, I don't have any friends. Well, maybe it's because you're not a good friend. If you want good friends, you have to be a good friend, right? And, and so you've got to be willing to work at relationships. There's times that you've got to be willing to say, you know what, it's not about stuff and it's not about things. It's not about money. It's about relationships. And so I'm going to put a priority on these relationships. And so a lot of times, you know, we're just wide open. I mean, we're, we don't have any time. We don't have any margin in our schedule or our calendar. We don't have any margin in our finances. And so, you know, we're stressed out, all that stuff, and it affects relationships. And so what we do is we withdraw because we're depressed because we're stressed out over all these finances and schedules and everything. And we don't even have friends. And so what if we had less stuff and we had more friends? Number one, the value and the quality of life would go up. You know, and now, you know, it's, I grew up in a, in a time whenever people, you know, would hang out together. Like kids would all pile in at one person's house. There'd be bikes all out in the yard. You did stuff together. You built forts together, all that kind of stuff. Now everybody's playing video games and stuff. My grandparents, I can remember at my grandparents' house down in Choctaw County, they would literally sit out on the front porch in the evenings, and there would be people, neighbors that would walk up, and, or they would drive up, and they'd pull up, and they would all sit there and talk on the front porch. That doesn't happen anymore. We live in a culture where you pull up in your garage and you shut the garage and then you go inside and you stay in your house. And the next morning you open it up to go to work to go make money, more money to buy stuff. And you don't connect with your neighbors and you don't look for those opportunities. I try to get people to get involved in life groups. And they're like, Mike, I don't have time. You do. You're just using your time to chase after stuff. Instead of building relationships that could change your life and could save your marriage and could help you to be a better parent. So less stuff and more friends. Here's another one. Less stuff and more time with family. What if we, instead of chasing after stuff and having to maintain stuff, because if you buy a bunch of stuff, you have to maintain it, right? You have to take care of it. You're always working on the yard. You, hey, you wanted 50 acres? You got to take care of 50 acres. And so what if you had less stuff and more time with your family? I've got a buddy of mine that he works a lot. He makes a lot of money. I'm talking about a pile of money. But he tells me all the time, he said, I would trade that. For time with my family. He said instead of having to look at them on FaceTime. Because he travels around. He works out of town a lot. But he has to watch his grandkids grow up on, on FaceTime. You know he has to watch his. He has to talk to his wife through FaceTime. And so what if. What if. You could give up some of that stuff. And some of that money. And have a solid marriage. Where you're with your wife. And you're doing things with your wife. You're watching your grandkids go up. You're able to go to their games. And so too often, like I said, we're focused on this stuff and not the relationship. So less stuff, more time with family. And here's another one. Less stuff and more quality experiences. You know, a lot of times, you know, maybe we just need to give up some stuff to have the best. And maybe that best is going on trips where you're making memories. Instead of giving your kids all kinds of stuff, what if you said, hey, listen, instead of buying all that stuff, we're going to go and we're going to do some incredible trips. We're going to go and we're going to have a, a fun trip together. We're going to make memories yeah, uh, you know, and, and maybe it, it's quality experiences. It's memories made. Like I think back to a, a trip that we did to Yellowstone one year, where Laurie and I, you know, we took our boys. We flew into uh, Denver and we rented a Ford Explorer, and we literally drove and for for days we just went through Yellowstone and Jackson Hole, Wyoming, all those places. And that's still one of our favorite vacations. The boys remember those moments and those memories. And we joke about those. And we remember, you know, went to ball games and stuff. And it was a quality experience. And so maybe if we do less stuff, we could have more quality experiences. And then here's another one. 
We all need to learn. We all need to learn to do this. We need to learn to clear out. That's what Lori and I are doing. We're getting rid of stuff. Like I said, getting rid of my trophies, the boys' trophies. We're getting rid of stuff. We're just, we're just kind of getting rid of it. And, and, and I think sometimes we think, well, I just need a bigger house to keep all my stuff. I need a bigger storage building to keep all my stuff. You know, maybe if you were to clear out, get rid of some of it, you don't have to sweat it or worry about it. And, and, you know, and some people, they become hoarders, man. I mean, they literally, they just build, 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 and there will be a little path to this room, a little path to that room. And, and man, it, it, it can get crazy. So we need to clear out. So here's a passage, and this is Jesus teaching in Luke chapter 12. And, he, and it's the parable of the rich fool. Catch that last word there. Rich what? He's rich, but he's a fool. Because his focus is on the wrong things. And Jesus kind of teaches this because someone here is wanting more stuff. So Jesus has been teaching, and this guy calls out. Then someone called out from the crowd, Hey, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. What's he wanting? He's wanting half of his brother's stuff, right? He's wanting more stuff. Hey, teacher, I'm trying to leverage you to get my brother to give me more stuff. And so he's leveraging this opportunity with Jesus. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Jesus is like, That's not what I'm here about. That's not what the focus is. But look at here. Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. That's Jesus speaking. That's who we say as Christians, that as followers of Christ, we follow his teaching. And so Jesus said, hey, listen, guys, beware. He's telling all of us that as well. Beware, guard your hearts. Guard against every kind of greed. Because what we do is we get greedy. We want more. Hey, they're giving stuff away. It's free. But we want to go there. I mean, we want to get free stuff, right? I mean, most of you guys can afford to pay for stuff, but you want free stuff for whatever reason, whenever there may be somebody that could use that, but instead we want free stuff. So, so greed is one of the things we have to be careful about. Life is not measured by how much you own. Life is not measured by how much you own. Those are the words of Christ. If you don't get anything else, maybe walk away with that passage today and say, you know what? I've been focused on the wrong things. Jesus kind of unpacks this a little bit. So then he told us, told him a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. In other words, he had a nice big spread that was working well. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Look at here. Then he said, I know I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. He said, listen, you know, he's got the retirement plan going, right? And just like, so, hey, he's got a big nest egg. And he's thinking, you know what? You're going to be in good shape. That's what life is really all about. But look at here. But God said to him, said, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So those are the words of Christ. That's the words of Jesus, who we say that we follow and that we line up with and that we believe and that he has saved us and he has redeemed us. And so do we line up with his teaching by how we live? What, what are the values in our life? Is it stuff? Is it things? Is, is it the abundance of things? Or is it about the kingdom of God? It's about a relationship with God. You see, if our heart is right with God, and here's the thing, it will affect every relationship out there. Our friends, our family, our children, our moms, our dad. This relationship with God will affect every other relationship. So we have to make sure that we, we invest in that. We, we build into that, not stuff. Look at this. Do your family a favor and get rid of the junk before you die. 
Number one, I'd say the junk in your heart, get rid of that. But here's the thing, get rid of the junk in your life. Lori and I, as we have been packing stuff up and getting rid of stuff, Lori's like, you know, don't you know the boys are going to appreciate this one day? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And so I would say the same thing to some of you. You know, maybe you need to start going, you know, hey, what can I do with some of this stuff? And maybe save your family a heartache. I've seen families that whenever the family dies or the mom and dad dies, man, they have to go in and they have to spend weeks unpacking that stuff. I've seen people literally have to pull up a dumpster and set a dumpster out in the front yard and literally throw stuff away for weeks and weeks and weeks because they had hoarded and you kind of get up so much junk in there. And and it's just unhealthy. It just shows you where your heart is. And so do your family a favor and get rid of the junk. Number one, in your heart first. Because whenever we get ourselves right, then we begin to impact the people around. And then get rid of the junk in in your house. Get rid of that stuff before you die. How do you do that? Give some stuff away. There's something freeing about giving something away, about blessing somebody with something. You've got two, give some, give one to someone else. You've got two jackets, give them one. You've, you've got two cars, give them one. That's some, some of you guys freaking out now, right? But, I mean, what if you were to bless somebody, give something to somebody, give it away. And there's something freeing about saying, you know what, I don't have to hang on to it. I don't have to hold it. I don't have to keep it. Now, I understand that there's some of you that you were raised Maybe in that generation that saved everything, like coffee cans and everything, mason jars and everything like you saved everything because that's what was modeled for you. But, you know, there are some things that we can give away. Maybe you're thinking, hey, well, I might need this one day. You know, and I'm kind of old fashioned like that. I mean, I'm thinking, hey, no, we, we could probably use that or I might be able to give that to somebody. I might be able to find somebody that can use that or I might find a purpose for that. And I kind of have that old mentality. You know, there's times here at the church, you know, the staff wants to throw everything away. Wait, hey, wait, wait, what are you doing with that? You know, that somebody, we might be able to bless another church with that or, or use that in some way. But giving stuff away is getting rid of it. You know, sentimental, I understand. There may be some things. But, hey, or is there some stuff that you can give to somebody that you can bless? Maybe somebody needs that, and they would use that. Here's another way. Give, you can give stuff away. Here's another one. Bless the ministry. This past week, I had an opportunity to go speak at Hope Inspired Ministries, which is one of the ministries that we sponsor and, and, and support. And... Um, Man, just hearing how God was at work in that ministry was amazing. The different individuals talking about what God was teaching them. And, and these are people that are coming out of addiction. There are people that are coming, you know, just out of a, a, maybe a bad, dysfunctional home. And they're learning how to, you know, get a job and to keep a job. And they're learning, they're le- learning life skills. And, and I was like, you know, God, thank you for letting me be a part of this today. But I was like, you know, God, thank you that we get to be a part of this as a church. But I would say this. There are ministries out there like that one that are making a difference that maybe you can bless them by giving them stuff that maybe they could sell it and maybe they could use that in some way to further the kingdom. You know, maybe you bless a ministry, you bless them. There, there's people that will leave stuff behind for churches, you know. They leave something in their will for the church. You're investing in the kingdom as you leave. I mean, you go, you, you're leaving this world. Man, bless the church in some way. But I think blessing a ministry is critical. There's thrift stores that they sell your junk, your stuff, and somebody buys that and they're able to support that ministry. They provide a home for women, provide a home for men, and it's a way to make a difference. And so bless a ministry. Look for a, a way to, to bless someone. And here's another thing. Every time you get something, give something away. That's kind of new, isn't it? You know, hey, you buy two pair of pants, give two pair of pants away. You probably can't wear them anymore anyway, right? Like this past week, Lori and I have been going through stuff, and Lori's like, hey, what do you want to do with these pants? I was like, I can probably still wear those. That ain't going to happen. I was like, you know, what? Well, that, that's gone a long time ago. And so last night I was just stacking them up. We're going to give them away. But every time you get something, 
If you don't really need what you already have, then give it away. So every time you get something, give something away. That's a pretty cool mentality. And what, what that shows to me is that we're kind of holding on to it loosely. We're not holding it like it's mine. That's not like a little kid. That's mine. Now, all this is mine. But what if we had this mentality, hey, you can have this. I don't need it anymore. I've got two pair of pants over here. You can have these. Now, I know that doesn't sound like the American way, but I do believe it's the biblical way. And so maybe we have that mentality. I, I love this, this statement here. Or this next thing. Look here. We all need to learn to pay off things. We need to learn to pay off things. The, the, you know, I understand 0% interest. That's kind of a good thing. You can use somebody else's money for a season. But most of us end up paying interest. Now, everybody's excited right now because there's low interest rates, right? So let's go spend the stew out of money and, and, and enjoy these low interest rates. But there's still interest involved, right? So what happens if we pay things off? Man, so I think one of the things we need to learn to do is we need to pay things off. Pay it off. So on, owing it on stuff is stressful. Would you all agree with that? Owing on stuff is stressful. Let me ask you one more time. Would you all agree with that? Yeah, it is. I see kids that are driving around in sixty and seventy thousand dollar trucks that are like sixteen, seventeen years old. It stresses me out. And I'm sitting there going, like, how in the world can that kid afford that? I know he can't. His mom and dad must be up to debt in their eyeballs. They're trying to keep him caught up with everybody else. Or what? And I'm sitting there going, that blows my mind. But owing on stuff is stressful. I mean, you got a, a house note. You've got power bills. You've got water bills. You got cell phone bills. You got to go get the newest cell phone, right? So you got to get another cell phone, all this stuff. And it can kind of stress you out whenever you realize, you know what? Hey, I got more month and I got money. And then you start going, how am I going to take care of this? And maybe I can borrow some money or maybe I can do And all of a sudden you're stressed out. And, and it's the number one thing that affects marriages, to be honest with you, is financial stress. Financial stress breaks down. It affects the communication and then it affects the intimacy. And so if you want your marriage to be in a good place, get rid of some of the debt that you have. And so owing on stuff is stressful. Look here. Here's a good one. Paying off stuff is freeing. When you pay off something, it's like, man, that felt good. When you walk in and you're able to say, hey, listen, how much was that? Yeah, let me pay that off. And you pay that off, man, there's something freeing about that. You don't have that hanging over your head. You don't have it as a burden that you're toting around. But you're able to walk with a little bit of freedom. And, you know, financial Peace University, FPU is one of the things we talk about. And Tony's going to tell you a little bit at the end. What we're going to be doing over the next few weeks, we're going to give you guys some resources and tools to help you get there. And a lot of it is by realizing, you know what, I've got to pay some things off. And you might think, well, how am I going to pay them off? Well, sell some stuff. Get rid of some stuff. Sell some stuff. that somebody else might be able to use, but sell that stuff and maybe get something that, you know what, you can afford. Instead of buying into the mentality that this world has, you sell some stuff and you pay some stuff off. Here's another one. Living paycheck to paycheck is stressful. Would you all agree with that? But a large part of America does that. I, I saw where a guy posted this past week. There's a friend of mine that said, hey, listen, if you guys would be praying for me, I've got to have some surgery. And I uh, said, hey, listen, just so you guys know, he said, I live on a you know, 100% commission. So me being out for very long is going to have a huge impact on us. And so there's, there's a, most of Americans live that if they didn't have a paycheck for a month, man, they wouldn't be able to make it. Because they're living paycheck to paycheck. And let me ask you, do you have, you know, a savings built up? Do you have an emergency fund built up? That's what Financial Peace University teaches is to, number one, pay off all that you can, have, have a, you know, an emergency fund there. So living paycheck to paycheck is stressful for anybody, anybody. Look at this. Having margin is peaceful. 
So having some margin in your life, you might say, well, what's margin? I thought that was on a, a paper. You know, if you get outside the margins, that's exactly what it is. Margin is how much, this is how much time you've got, but you're not committed to the whole line. You've got a little bit of margin over here. You know, like with Christian graduating and us selling a house and packing up and moving. Our, our schedule's crazy right now. But, you know, Laura, like Laura, we were talking yesterday and somebody said, well, Laura goes, hopefully in a couple of weeks we will have a little bit more margin. We'll be able to get some things settled back down. You know, and then financially, you know, you, know, you make $100 a week or whatever. You don't spend $100 a week on everything. You spend 70 or 60 or whatever, and you got a little bit of margin. you got some money left over. So that margin gives peace. And so having margin, instead of living paycheck to paycheck, we have a little bit of peace. And, and so I want you to understand, this, this is the statement I meant earlier. It's okay to own things as long as they don't own you. It's okay with having a car. It's okay with having a house. It's okay. We look back in Scripture, all the way to the Old Testament, man, God blessed you know, them with great things and, and lots of things. But they could not become your God. Your car makes a terrible God. If that's what you worship, if that's your idol... It's a terrible God. You know, if your house is what you worship, it's a terrible God. It doesn't do anything for you. you know, and so you, what you've got to understand is, you know what? I've got to make sure that my heart's right. And so I don't want things to own me. I want to own them and use them for the kingdom and for the purposes of God. You know, God gives you a house. Let it be a place where life groups meet. God gives you a lake house. Take your pastor there. No, I'm just kidding. You know, but... But I'm just saying, you know, use it for good things. Use it for the right reasons. And so here's some steps. We always try to walk, walk away with some steps. So, so the next step for, for us today, this is what we need to walk away with. Number one is get your heart right. I'm just telling you, maybe you're here today and you feel a little bit of conviction. That's a good thing. Maybe God is showing you, you know what? Your focus has been in the wrong ear for too long. That's a good thing. And so God is saying, hey, listen, get your heart right. You get your heart right. You spend time in God's Word. You follow the teachings that Jesus gave us. And you realize, you know what? Life is not measured by the abundance of things. All right, so I'm going to quit chasing after this American dream. I'm going to quit chasing after stuff. I'm going to quit trying to have more toys than everybody else. And I'm going to really make it about the kingdom of God. About my relationship with God, my relationship with my, the people around me, my family, my friends, and what I do for the kingdom of God. How will I make a difference? for the kingdom of God. How will I make a difference in the lives of people? Because when we get to the end of our life, there's only going to be a couple of things that matter. It's like, and I agree with Dr. Dobson. It's, it's who you love, who loved you, and what you did for the kingdom of God. Those are the things that are going to matter. Because all that stuff that you've worked so hard to accumulate, somebody else will get it. Maybe even the government will get it. And that will make you matter in anything. But the thing is, is you have worked so hard, really, to put your ladder up against the wrong wall. And maybe today it's time for change. You know what, God, I want to get my heart right. God, I want, I want to live for you. God, I want you to be first in my life. God, I want my marriage to be healthy. I want my family to be healthy. And God, I want to live according to the teachings of Christ. So get your heart right. That's the first thing. And then cut back. Let today be. You know what, today is a day of change. We're going to cut back. We're not eating out today. We're going to go home and eat what's in the pantry or whatever. You know, and there's some of you guys like, Dad, you know, I was... Kind of looking forward. Just say, you know what? I'm not eating out today. I'm going to go home and I'm going to eat what we've already got. But you cut back. Clear out. Maybe make a list today of stuff that you could get rid of. And then tomorrow you make another list. And then the next day you make another list. And you start whittling that stuff down. You start clearing out. And you start putting a little bit of margin in your life. And then the last one there, pay it off. 
Take the smallest bill, pay it off. We're going to kind of unpack this over the next few weeks, but take that smallest bill, pay it off, and then take the money that you have now instead of buying something else, you apply it to the next bill, you start paying bills off, and all of a sudden you have freedom, financial freedom. But it all starts with the heart. If your heart's not right, it won't matter. If you don't get your heart right with God, you'll always be confused about how to handle finances and the stewardship that God wants you to do. And so the most important thing we can do is say, God, I want you to be first. I want to make sure that I'm in right standing with you. So I want to ask you, if you would, just to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're watching online, man, just, just hear this. Get your heart right with God. When your heart's right, all this other stuff falls in the, into the right place. And so just ask that God, I want to thank you for convicting me today. God, I'm glad I was here today. I'm glad I listened today. And so, God, I want you to change my heart. And the way that it starts is by us surrendering our life. And just saying, God, I want you to come in and live within me. God, I want you to be first place in my life. God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I have sinned in, in many ways. I'm asking Jesus to come and live within me. I'm asking your son, Jesus, to come and save me. Jesus went to the cross to set us free from the bondage of sin. And to set us free from literally the desires for all these things in this world. He said that we should be focused on the kingdom of God. And so maybe today, say, God, change my heart. Change me. Jesus, save me. With all the faith that you have, you just ask Jesus to come into your life to save you, to be your leader, to be your Lord, to guide you, to teach you how to navigate this path, this this season that we're here on this earth in a way that honors Him and that makes a difference in the lives of people. How do you do that? Just by putting your faith in Christ. It's by faith that we're saved. Nothing else. Just say, Jesus... With all the faith that I have, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I want to live for you. And the Bible says that he will step into your life and he will change you. He will redeem you. And here's the thing. He will, he will teach you how to live according to his principles. That's the most important decision. There may be some other decisions you need to make today. But get your heart right with God. And then God is going to be using these next few weeks to get some things in order in your home. Be sure to join us. Because God wants to change hearts. And when He changed hearts, He changes homes. Father, we thank You for today. God, I pray that You continue to work on my heart, Lori's heart, our home. Change us. God, help us to die to the flesh. Help us to crucify the flesh daily, moment by moment. Help us to live for You. God, show us whom we can bless and who we can give things to. God, help us to pay off any debts that we owe. And God, I pray that we would follow your lead in every possible way. Thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for changing us. And thank you for giving us hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, Journey Church, can we put our hands together for just a great message?